Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. I'm Susanna Mars, and this is Adventures in Artslandia. And so everyone knows, today I'm talking to Leela Downs. She is a Grammy Award winner, and she's going to be at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall with the Oregon Symphony on October 22nd. And you can get tickets for that, orsymphony.org. Welcome, Leela, and thank you so much for calling today. Thank you. It's wonderful talking to you. And uh, you're calling from Oaxaca. From Oaxaca in Mexico, in the south of Mexico. Oh, what's the weather like? I'm just curious. We're we're in the 60s, and we have wonderful weather here in Mexico. Oh, it sounds it sounds really lovely here in Portland. It's kind of gray right now. <laughs> it's been it's um, so beautiful there, though. It is. Have you been to Portland before? We have mm-hmm. many times. Oh, I did not realize that. I've had so much fun listening to your music, getting ready for this interview. And um, when I was reading about your work, I'd never read the word mixtech before. And I wondered if you could tell everybody about that cultural identity. Of course. This is my mother's ethnic uh, group. And it's one of 16 different groups that are in the state of Oaxaca. In our whole nation, we have 68 different languages and cultures. So this is only, you know, one small bit of it. My mother's uh, ethnic group also are migrants. A lot of them work in the U.S., um, the state of Florida. Of course, Oregon is one of the main states. Mm -hmm. Uh, California and Washington. And uh, we are in, in population, our ethnic group is, is probably around a million people, a lot of people who are in the um, in the U.S., of course, a big percentage. Hmm. That's fascinating. I just, I really enjoyed reading because I realized how much I didn't know and I was really looking forward to asking you some questions. Yeah, that's wonderful for the interest. Yes. Um, your album, Pecados y Milagros, forgive my not terrific accent, um, was it was the first album to win uh, a Grammy Award for Best Regional Mexican Music Album? Yes, it was. It was a it was a surprise. We did very well with that album, and it was about our kind of moral standard um, that I guess exists in all of humanity. This uh, dance with truth and dare. Mm. <laughs> Yes, I've been thinking about that a lot for myself. I'm <laughs> I'm a singer, actor as well, and I've been thinking a lot about how it is where your career and family and your life, there's so many threads of this large river and how you know exactly what to do and when you know when to do it. And, um, you know, you ushered in a whole new category at the Grammys by bringing your work forward. How do you know... Uh, what to do and when to do it in your work. Wow, well, thank you. I never thought of our work, you know, speaking in, in that sense. I guess that I felt that I'm somehow connected to to um, my generation and the changes that have occurred in my lifetime in terms of uh, being more conscious of our plurality, um, our ethnic groups, especially in Mexico. <clears throat> We've been for hundreds of years in denial of our of our Native American roots. So in my family, it was always quite an important issue. My father, of course, adored 
my my mother's Indian side and always venerated it in part because he was a biologist so he he loved the nature surrounding us and and appreciated it quite a bit so that's been kind of my challenge is to kind of push our culture in people's faces sometimes mm-hmm. uh, and fortunately I have art to do it um, in a in a harmonious way sometimes sometimes a little less politically correct but mm. um, it's it's wonderful to be able to have art as a conduct to express these realities that we are living and you mentioned earlier how many languages you are surrounded by, and I know you sing in Mixtec and Zapotec, and then the word, is it Nahuatl? Nahuatl, that's right. Oh, yeah. and, and I wondered, you know, in using those languages, it must feel so wonderful to, it's as though you're, the words are from the past. Yes, of course, but the, the wonderful thing is that they're very much alive today mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the mysterious um, surprise for everybody to know that that we are connected to the past in a very present way. Um, there are over five million people who speak the Nahuatl language today. Mm, five million, that's fascinating. Now, are they all in Oaxaca? No, they are not. They are in the center of Mexico. Mm-hmm. This was the language that the Aztecs spoke. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So how did you learn these languages, and how do you maintain fluency? I mean, sounds like there are many people who are speaking these languages. How do we continue to maintain these languages so they continue to be vibrant? Yes, of course. Well, there are anthropologists that study the language and that are constantly uh, discovering new um, uh, dynamics, you know, between mm-hmm. communities and the differences. Uh, fortunately, this is one of the languages that seems to be in growth. Um, unfortunately, there are many more that are dying, mm-hmm. um, but um, it's wonderful to be able to to do music that includes this um, reality and that makes people more aware of, of the livelihood and the beauty of it, mm-hmm. uh, of the traditions in, in these cultures. Mm-hmm. When you concert, do you provide people with translations ever? Yes, of course I do, because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, sometimes the music is so beautiful that it's not necessary, mm-hmm. but sometimes it, I find it very important to appreciate our philosophy, our notion of of life and death, of course, which mm-hmm. pertains to this concert in particular, mm-hmm. and um, and also to our to our sense of humor, because a lot of times we take it you know, very serious, we've got to be very ceremonial or very um, formal, but sometimes our Native American cultures are also very playful and uh, cynical and, and, uh, and fun as well. And that's wonderful. You mentioned the concert that you're doing is on October 22nd, and so it will be a celebration of Dio los Muertos. Is that correct? It is. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Dia de los Muertos, that's oh. right. And uh, I just am so fascinated with that holiday. I think it's so beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I know that your father has passed away, and I, I mine has also, and I wonder how he comes up in, in your work. Yeah, well, um, he was a, a pretty bohemian 
cat, mm-hmm. as we say in the music scene. He was um, uh, he would ask me to serve his uh, whiskey on the rocks every evening, mm-hmm. and he would have a couple of those. Um, he was also uh, in love with uh, literature, and as I mentioned before, uh, he studied ducks and reptiles uh, were his specialties. So he was all around a, a really fun person. He also believed in uh, in the equality of classes. He he hated um, stratification and you know a kind of a difference between people. That was something he really admired people who crossed those borders. And so when the Day of the Dead comes, what I do is I of course put a, a big bottle of whiskey at the at the altar and um, I put some cigarettes, even though he died probably because of uh, uh, smoking so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then his coffee, which he had to have in the mornings, and um, and the food. Um, he wasn't really in a traditional guy in that sense for Mexico. He mm-hmm. he he always stayed kind of gringo in that sense, and uh, so we would always make him a sandwich or you know something that's more North American in style. Mm-hmm. Wow! Okay. And so, can you explain to everyone a little more about about the day of yeah, the dead? Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Dia de los Muertos um, is a is a very special time. I think in some families, it's even more important than Christmas because it's when when our elders come and visit us, of course. Mm-hmm. So that makes it, it gives it this other element of spirituality and, and sharing with, with the ghosts, in a sense, and, and with the memory of those people that you love. And uh, in each region of Mexico, it's celebrated depending on the, on the gifts that the Mother Earth gives you in certain areas. Um, you have, of course, mangoes in the tropics, and you have... Uh, things like uh, sugar cane in in some areas where that element grows, but in our region it's mainly the corn, the tortillas. Uh, it's also the uh, peanuts and almonds and and all kinds of uh, dried nuts are put on the altar. Uh, the oranges and the and the citrus uh, are put on the on the altar. Some of them are ornamented in a in kind of a um, uh, what do you call this? An arc mm. that's at the, it, which represents actually the, a door to the underworld, mm. and mm. and so you you burn a lot of incense, a lot of copal, and it's very mysterious in those days. And people are always commenting, "Oh, do you see how the the wind changes at that at that time? It's because the uh, the elders are coming to visit and." And so it's it's a beautiful time to to share with your family as well and talk about uh, the people who have passed. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that you have uh, had traveled quite a lot in your childhood between the U.S. and Mexico, and I just feel that that the the way in which you celebrate ancestors and heritage in Mexico seems so. Uh, beautiful and organic compared to the way we in the North do such things. How was that for you as a young person to navigate? Well, I guess as a child, um, there are more liberties, I think, in our culture to 
be closer to the actual physical part of death. I remember, well, first of all, my father passed when I was 16, so I was an adolescent, and it was it was um, a very difficult experience, of course. But I think ever since I was a child, I remember going to wakes, and it was kind of like a party because everybody was having a drink and and people were laughing and 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 so that you know even though everybody's dressed in black, which is a very strong Catholic tradition, uh, it's mixed with this kind of indigenous vision of uh of a ritual of change in life and obviously <laughs> mm. and and i think it's quite different from the u.s in in that uh it's very con- much more contained and you know people are just kind of more quiet and i did have an experience of course growing up in minnesota as well with that and um mainly surrounded by nordic people who are very quiet about dealing with death and so I can say that, yeah, I feel that I was fortunate and healthier uh, with with this unusual relationship that we have with it, although I can't say that we somehow um, are are no longer afraid of death. I think it's it's that same fear of death, but it's just a way of a, a different way of dealing with her as mm. as we say she she's a she's a female in our culture. Mm. I, I when I was reading a little bit more about you also I read about um your feelings about contradictions in identity kind of similar to what we're talking about how different cultures handle different big life ideas and so on and and I I feel personally like these contradictions can really disable me from being who I think I'm meant to be, who I want to be. How, how do you find the courage to continue to define who you want to be through, you know, you're very courageous in your music and the way you are in the world. How do you nurture yourself in that direction? Well, thank you. I think that I um, I come in part from this uh, line of women, strong ladies that have kind of been left on their own. Uh, my mother, my grandmother, um, had a um, kind of a partner. He wasn't really her husband. Uh, my mother's father, who was a quite a renegade, and he was a bracero, actually in the bracero program of the '40s in the U.S. Hmm. So we've always cultivated this relationship with the U.S. The mixtec, in particular, have a history going. Uh, back in in terms of uh, migration, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and my mother as well was um, you know a very independent woman, and and so I think that I learned from both of them. My grandmother was a very traditional woman as well. She um, she wouldn't sit at the table until the man in the house was sitting at the table. That's mm-hmm. the moment that we could all sit down, and so I have these contrasts in in the way that they taught me how to see the world and and of course cooking is is something that's kind of an interesting issue because i think nurturing and also being an independent woman are something that are kind of contradictory right mm-hmm. but they're in our nature mm-hmm. they're in our nature and and i certainly learned from my grandma to be more nurturing and from my mother to be more independent. So 
I would say that it's a great school of uh, of, of uh, women teaching that that I have acquired, and and the love of culture has been something that I also inherited from them. They they uh, taught me to go to the market and observe other women and the importance that they give to our economy, to our life, to our emotions, and that's why I've been a great admirer of our gender. Mm. I watched one of your music videos that was the all-female uh, video. It was so beautiful. Uh, which song was it? Gosh darn it. Oh, I think it's a recent one that we just did. Yes. Yeah, it's about violence, um, you know, re- having violent relationships and oh. coming out of that. Oh, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It was all shot, all women. And I didn't realize it yeah. at first. I was watching and I thought, oh, it's all women. And there was beautiful dance and the song was incredible. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, it was wonderful. And I I also saw that after the election of Donald Trump, you released the song Demagogue, which was a yeah, we, which was an indictment of fascism and hate and you dedicated it to him. How did it feel to put that out there? Well, I was a, um a little doubtful, <laughs> especially when other Latin Americans, you know, in the press were a little afraid. They were like, "Aren't you afraid for your life?" And I did think of it a little bit, but I thought, you know, this is um, the freedom that we should have to express our opinions, and and so I believe in that. I believe that that we should be able to be critical of our leaders. Yeah, I do too, and I was I was really uh, moved by that and by your courage in that. I thought that was incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I wondered how people responded to it. Did you get much uh, communication about it? Mainly, I think that um, the Latino or Hispanic community mm-hmm. wasn't really, you know, coming to terms with, with the fact that he is uh, very racist. And so that took a time for people to to accept mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if that's maybe why the song didn't really have any repercussion in the in the Latino community. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you also have a song, Peligrosa, or Dangerous Woman. What what does that mean to you? What, how did that come to be? I think what it what it's about, it's uh it's about what strong women represent to to other people sometimes. What I mean by other people is men and women who mm. who have a machismo, who believe that somehow women don't have the right to be leaders or presidents or um, politicians or or simply, yeah, someone who's at the, you know, um, as a director of 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 any activity, basically, and. Um, yeah, that's what I was feeling at that time, especially in Latin America. It's, it's, uh, it's difficult in some ways and also in the U S actually, it exists every place. Oh yes. I was wondering, you know, and I certainly don't know any female politicians in Mexico who, women who you young people can aspire to in Mexico and say, I can be that. Yes, of course there are. Maybe less in the past, but mm-hmm. right now I think it's really kind of like a changing of the guard. And mm-hmm. So it's really wonderful to see all these younger people kind of aspiring to these 
new notions of themselves. I love that. Yeah, I do too. It's interesting. There are all sorts of women and organizations that are are doing things that I admire. And I realize I don't know a soul out of the United States of female politicians who are women that I should, I want to know about, you know, so that inspires me to go out there and do some reading. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, I was curious, you know, when people come to the concert at the Oregon Symphony, what do you hope they'll leave with? I hope that that they learn something about Mexico, of course, but overall about Latin Americans and and somehow open their hearts to our cultures. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one more question before we go? Sure, sure. What have you read or seen recently that inspired you? Um, I'm reading about a Mexican composer called Jose Alfredo Jimenez, and he was this kind of natural composer that had no musical education. He didn't even know how to play the guitar, Mm. but he came up with these amazing, profound uh, songs about love and drinking, of course. (laughs) (laughs) He was a fan of tequila. Mm. And... um, and there's just something so beautiful about the purity of these songs that I recommend to you to listen to. And mm. uh, um, and it's like the blues, you know. There's something like that in every culture that mm. connects to the truth of a culture. Yes, I love that. That's a perfect way to end our conversation. And thank you again for <laughs> calling from Oaxaca. So thank generous you of so you. Much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Okay, I'll, well, I'll... you take care, and hopefully we'll get to meet you that day. I would surely love that. Great. Have a wonderful okay. day. Take care, Susanna. Thank Bye-bye. you. You too, Leela. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.